I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, We're believing for God to do some incredible things today. The thing that's been burning in me is that God wants us to leave today with a full heart. How many of you want a full heart? I want my heart to be filled with the presence and glory and the spirit of the living God. And there's a phrase that we've been kind of kicking around over these past couple of weeks. And that's this, is our vision for the summer, these next three months that we have together, our hope is that we would go deeper with God and deeper with one another. Everybody say deeper. We want to go deeper with God and deeper with one another. And how we're wanting to facilitate that is that we have an enormous amount of things that you can come and be a part of. Parties in the park, women's hangouts, men hangouts, softball teams, all sorts of things are happening. Let me just say, if you come, you will be blessed. It's very, very simple. If you want to be more connected, show up at something and you'll leave more connected. It's really simple, all right? And, and so everything that we're doing, we're doing on purpose, all right? We're doing it so that there will be an opportunity for you to get to know some people maybe that you didn't know before as we lean into one another, ending our summer season looking back saying, you know what? I took some ground in my relationship with God, and I took some ground in getting to know some amazing people that make up this church. want to go deeper with God and deeper with one another. And uh, the deeper with God, what we've been doing uh, is we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. If you've been with us, have you enjoyed this series so far? Love the book of Ephesians. And something we've been doing every week in this series is we're kind of going old school with a standing for the reading of the word. Have you enjoyed that? I've enjoyed it. And here's why I love it. Simply put, we are Bible people. Can I get an amen? We are Bible people. People, We will preach the Bible and allow the Bible to stand on its own. And there's something about creating space, carving out space and saying, you know what? We're just going to let the Bible speak for itself and allow the words of God to fill this room and fill our hearts. Because listen, when the Bible is read, it is transformational. It is the living word of God. It is the It is the language of heaven is right here. And so when we say, you know what, we want these words to fill this space, it does something in our hearts individually and corporately. So Deanna. Come on, clap for her. And do me a favor, stand to your feet. We're going to read the Bible. Therefore, remember that formerly you, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace, 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, I don't need it. I got this one. How good of a job does she do? Have a seat. Before we jump into what God has for us today, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active. Thank you, Lord, that it holds within it truth that will set us free. And so I'm asking right now, God, that you'd open up our hearts and our minds and uh, allow us to see and hear the word of God for the truth that it is. And let us leave here being doers of the word. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shouted. I learned a, a Bible study technique from an old Baptist preacher a long time ago. And it said every time in the Bible that it says, therefore, you better know what it's there for. How many of you have heard that before? Right? So, so here we are right out of the gate. Verse 11, it says, therefore. And so what that is is a billboard, a blinking light for us saying, hey, you need to understand what happened and what was said in verses 1 through 10 because it is the building blocks for what's going to be said from verses 11 through 22. And without preaching my message from last week, I don't mind. I thought it was fantastic. So I could do it, but I I'll spare you, but without preaching my message from last week again, Ephesians 2 verse 1 through 10 is very simply a declaration that we are saved by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone, period. It's a gift of God. It's not from the works of our hands. It's been given to us. Our salvation is a gift from Jesus through what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus did not come so that we would experience behavior modification. Jesus came so that we would experience resurrection. Let me just say that again, because this is a foundational truth that our faith in God is built on. Jesus did not come to make us better people. He did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jesus is in the resurrection business. Now listen to Ephesians 2 verse 4. It's a powerful backdrop for where we're going to be launching in verse 11 through 22. It says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... 
made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is calling us to build on the revelation of the fact that we were all saved by grace to then be able to understand the unity he's calling us to in verse 11. That we are all saved by grace. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good. So therefore, right, therefore the truth of the grace and salvation that we walk in because of what Jesus has done for us, allows us then to be obedient to what we're being called to in verse 11, which tells us that the cross of Christ did more than to destroy the division that sin has created between heaven and earth. The cross did more than that. It did more than destroy that division. That's what, what, what verse 1 through 10, that's why Paul says, therefore, because you have to understand that the restoration, the gift of God for relationship for the living God to us, simple human beings, has been restored through what Jesus has done. But G the cross didn't do that alone. The cross also destroyed the divisions that sin has created here on earth. Let me say that one more time. The cross of Christ did more than destroy the division that sin has created between heaven and earth. It destroyed the division that sin creates here on earth. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 11 again. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called them the circumcision. Now, I know all of you are like, man, it's exactly what I want to hear on Memorial Day weekend. Let's talk about circumcision. Let's just get in there. You know, don't worry. We've got diagrams. It's going to be great. No, I'm joking. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The divisions among us today are not new. The way that they manifest among us is constantly evolving and changing. But the evil spirit that divided the Jews from the Gentiles is the same spirit that divides us racially, economically, and politically today. Again, when we study the Bible, we don't look at moments alone. We look at the breadth of Scripture. We call it the meta-narrative of Scripture. Meaning that the Bible is not telling a story. The Bible, or the Bible is not telling a series of stories. The Bible is telling one 
story. So understanding that when God promised Abraham in Genesis 12 that a nation would come from him that would be favored and blessed to be a blessing. That was the start of God carving out a people on the earth that would experience him and represent him to the world around them. God's heart in choosing the, the, the Jews in the Old Testament wasn't motivated from a place of excluding non-Jews. But it was to be a picture of what life with God is. So that all would see and say, you know what, I want to know the God that you serve. The heart of God has not changed. We see it again in 1 Timothy 2.4. That he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth of who he is. But the story of the people of God is more of a roller coaster of disobedience and failure and a misrepresentation of the heart of God instead of being a beacon of hope, life, freedom, and the grace of God. So it was the brokenness of the people of God that led to attitudes of privilege and supremacy that divided them from people versus the power of hope and freedom and grace in their lives, drawing people to the God who was leading them. So when Paul, who's speaking to non-Jews here, says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. He's speaking to both a spiritual and a cultural separation that the Ephesians, who were Gentiles, knew very well. The spiritual separation brought up here is universal, meaning that no matter what you have done or where you are from, we are all separated from the glory of God because of the sin that is in all of us. Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And although the Jews were carved out of the earth to be a picture of what life with God looks like, Their eternal salvation is not determined by that. Because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And again, we're not saved through who we are. We're not saved through who our family is. We're not saved by what we've done. We are saved because of what Jesus has done. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? The spiritual separation that Paul is bringing to the surface here is a universal spiritual separation that all of us have encountered because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so therefore, we need the gift of salvation that we have access to through Jesus. But in Ephesians 2, there's also a cultural separation that Paul is bringing up as well. He even uses the slang terminology of the day to emphasize the walls that the people have put between themselves. You circumcised and you uncircumcised. The walls that were created culturally between the Jews and the Gentiles, because remember, the Jews, just like you and me, let's not get down on how they missed it. We miss it too. Because we forget that we also have been 
blessed to be a blessing. And we oftentimes alienate ourselves from the very people we're called to reach because we're fearful that the sin in them will, sometimes, will somehow contaminate the glory that is within us. The walls that were created culturally between the Jews and the Gentiles would have been felt extremely, extremely loudly. Jews would not even walk through a town the Gentiles were. They, they, wouldn't, they, they wouldn't go to their houses. They wouldn't want to be seen with any of them. And, and look, here's the thing. We, we, again, the division that we experience today is the same. We call it different things, though. So now we don't have, we, we wouldn't say like, oh, Jew and Gentile. We, what we say is you're canceled. Like that, that's, what, that's what we do. Like we, we, we will not associate nor be seen with anyone who potentially does not agree with you on everything because even being seen with them will get you canceled. The division's the same. We don't say Jew and Gentile anymore, but the spirit that operated within culture that divided God's people from the mission of God on the earth is very alive and well today. It would have shaped their cultural dividing walls, would have shaped where they went to school. It would have shaped where they lived. It definitely would have shaped who their friends were. It would have shaped how and what they did in their free time. We're not divided by Jew and Gentile like we were back then, but we are divided. The spirit that divided them is the same spirit that divides us. The same spirit that drove them into echo chambers of similar thought is the same spirit that drives us into echo chambers of similar thought. It's the same spirit. I want you to think back and tell me if you recognize this picture. Oh, we don't have it? Oh, there it is. Y'all remember this? Do y'all remember when this picture? This was at like a Dallas Cowboys game or maybe the Super Bowl or something like that. And this picture went viral because, I don't know if you know that, that's President Bush and that's Ellen DeGeneres, okay? They represent the opposite spectrum on everything. Lifestyle, morality, political thought, activism, you name it, they could not be far apart. And so when this picture went viral... It wasn't like, wow, isn't that amazing that you can have two people that don't agree on anything, that they can sit next to each other, and they can even have a smile on their face, and they can be enjoying one another. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. It was Ellen got canceled because it was how in the world could she sit next to that man? Those are dividing walls of hostility that exist today. So when you read Ephesians 2 and you're like, oh, you know, it's not like we don't get that whole Jew and Gentile thing. Oh, no, we get it. It it is alive and well. Because if we don't agree, then we can't associate. I can't sit next to you. 
I, I can't be next to you. I can't have you over to my house. Think about this, the plan of the enemy playing out in front of us, even just talking about this out loud. The culture is saying that we can't and shouldn't associate with people who believe what we, or, or that don't believe what we believe. We're called to associate with people that don't believe what we believe. We're, that's what we're called to. If you live in an echo chamber of similar thought and belief, you are missing an opportunity to impact your city for the glory of God. You are basically saying, you know what? Those dividing walls of hostility that were alive that separated the Jews and the Gentiles, those are alive in me as well. Church, we've got to get tougher and stop being insecure about what we believe, and we need to start being obedient to who we're called to be. Our dividing walls are different, but they are still there. It's normal now to scream, hate, punish, shame, destroy, and cancel anyone or anything that says something that you don't fully agree with. Politically, this is a mess. It's an absolute mess. But you know what? I kind of expect that. You expect division where the kingdom of heaven is not ruling. But here's the bummer. The bummer is, is that the mess is not outside of the church. The mess is in the church. This is where I feel like we've lost a lot of our authority in the cities that we dwell. Is because we have built dividing walls of hostility, fearful of culture, versus seeing ourselves as the solution to the brokenness in culture. Sin makes us wall builders. The gospel has called us to be bridge builders. Sin makes us wall builders. The gospel calls us to be bridge builders. And this is why the division in the church around issues that honestly the people of God are called to be the solution to drives me crazy. You know what we should care about? Taking care of the least of these. Regardless. You know what we should care about? Caring for orphans and widows. We, we should be providing for those who are in need in our city. Not just as a church corporately, but as believers individually. Oftentimes we show up at church, we're like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing for the poor? What are y'all doing? And my, my question is the same. What are you doing? What are you doing? We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to share Jesus. We're going to create environments for holiness so the people of God can be equipped to do the ministry of God. Just this last week, I was in a room with 100 pastors and leaders in the city talking about how the church can be the change in the foster care system in Travis County. Did you know that in Travis County, there is a disparity among foster children and foster families? Meaning if a child is in need and needs to be pulled for their safety from their home, they are not able to stay in the community that loves them. I, I don't, 
I, I, look, here's the thing. I don't believe, I don't agree with everybody who is in that meeting politically. Actually, I don't agree with most of them probably. But I'm not going to let some partisan rhetoric keep me from interjecting the kingdom into a solution that is actually the church's responsibility. The reason why a lot of our governmental systems are so broken is because you know what the government does? They do laws. You know what the church does? We do love. So whenever you have law people trying to do love things, it doesn't work. It never should be the city needing to stand up and be like, what are we going to do with these orphans and widows? The church should be lining up. We got them. That's not some program that our church is going to begin. It's the people of God saying, I see a need. I'm going to meet a need with the kingdom of heaven because the dividing walls of hostility have been broken down because of what Jesus has done for me. We all need salvation and people experience the glory and the grace of God through the people of God doing the will of God. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? This is a massive opportunity for us. And look, keep your ears open because our church is going to be on the forefront of some real practical, simple things that we can be the solution to see this disparity closed. To where it's like, you know what, there will be, there will be families ready to take in kids way more than we have kids that need to be taken in. It's amazing to listen to these city leaders going, we want to be able to call you. And I was sitting with some of my pastor buddies, and I'm like, dude, we can fix this. Like, this is sin got us into this mess, and it's Jesus that's going to get us out of this mess. Right? It's not going to be some policy. It's not going to be some political leader. It's going to be Jesus. Oftentimes, the stuff that really matters most gets lost in partisan conversations about whose camp is right. Again, these are the same walls that divided Jews and Gentiles. We just have different labels for them. Look, what what we should be caring about is loving our neighbor, caring for the hurting, treating them the way that we want to be treated. I got to know a guy named Dr. Tony Evans uh, years ago when I was working as the chaplain of Baylor football. His son was on the team. He pastors a church in Dallas called Oak Hills, and uh, just an amazing man and a great guy to know. And I love the way that Dr. Evans addresses this issue of dividing walls, and specifically when we, when, you know why we build walls? We build walls because we're insecure about what we believe on our side of the wall. That's why what we're going to be getting into here a little bit later is Paul drives into identity insecurity that we've been adopted into the family of God. Because we're not going to be able to move and operate in unity unless we're confident and secure in the fact that we're in the family of God. And so everybody thinks that God is on their side. Have you noticed that? You know, since I can like really, I've already started up a little bit. You know, let's just go ahead and keep stirring. You guys just want to just keep stirring? Look, I could, I could pick a couple of uh, Democratic, ooh, I said it. I could put, pick a couple Democrat party issues and preach a biblical sermon. And I could do the exact same for the Republican Party. So here's the deal. This is why I love what Dr. Tony Evans said. He says that Jesus did not come to take your side. Jesus came to take over. 
Jesus did not come to take a side. Jesus came to take over. Jesus is not strengthening your side of the argument. Jesus is creating a new way through the argument. Listen to verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. We are brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, the gift of God of salvation who has made these two groups that do not associate with one another. He has brought them together as one, destroyed what divided them. It's through Jesus that the things that divide us are destroyed. So here's the deal. If there are walls between us culturally, interpersonally, If there's division among us relationally, it is evidence that the devil is at work within us. Mm, This is a tough one. If Jesus came to bring unity, to bring two groups that would not look at each other in the face and make them one, then it is obvious that if there is division alive within us, the devil has a seat at our table. The devil is at work in us. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not that them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and me, you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe That you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I mean, Jesus is telling us that there is a power in our unity that is a testimony to his glory. That our ability to walk in unity with one another is actually a mirror to the glory of God. The world-stopping power of the unity that we're called to walk in is a unity that is greater than our preferences. Can I say that? Because now in culture, we define unity by idea conformity. But that's not the unity that we're called to here biblically. I'm always going to be J.D. Griffin. I'm always going to be from the southeast side of Houston. I'm always going to be from an Italian Cajun family. So that means I'm always going to be loud. And that is going to shape my worldview. 
And can I grow my worldview? Absolutely. But can I then change where I came from? No. It is always going to have an impact on me. It's always going to shape how I see the world. It's always going to influence how I even view issues. And that's not just me. That's everybody. But hear me. Jesus is calling us to walk in unity with those around us. And that is not us all thinking the same and talking the same or seeing everything in the same way. That will never or should never happen because we don't all come from the same place. We are now all just heading in the same direction. The power and the unity in the church is that we have diversity in our unity. We have diversity in our unity. And and I think this is a massive untapped potential of the church because at times we build unity around conformity. We build unity around conformity, meaning we're going to link arms with people who vote like us, who look like us, that walk like us, and and then we're going to have prayer meetings for the people that disagree with us, that their eyes would be open to their deception. Remember, it's not about being on the right side. Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. And a church of people saying Jesus take over is a church that will walk in the power and wisdom of heaven to navigate through the challenges that we face as we look to see Jesus get big and not the platform that we lean towards get big. Think about the banner of God is real of a room filled with people that look different, that come from different backgrounds, different places, might even vote different, leaning into what Jesus did for us, coming from different places but going in the same direction because it's not about being on the right side. It's about being on God's side. And, and, and I love the stories of God. I'm sure some of you do as well. But there was this moment that was just like, wow, God making the point that it's not about your side. It's about his side. It's Joshua 5. Joshua 5, immediate, amazing. The people of God are now beginning to step into the land that had been promised to them. The land that had been stolen from them is now being restored to them. And they are facing their first barrier to breakthrough. And that's this massive walled city that's called Jericho. And so they're they're looking at this and they're scratching their heads like, yo, how in the world are we going to get in there to see God do what he said he was going to do? And so Joshua, in fear and need of a word, goes on a walk. And in Joshua 5, verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you with us or are you with our enemies? This is an important question if you come up against a giant with a sword. Are you with me or are you against me? Right? But here's the thing. Who does Joshua represent? The people of God, the promised people of God that was carved out of the earth, that was promised in Genesis 12, that is now being birthed into the people of Israel. That's who Joshua represented. That's who he led. And he's like, hey, are you with us? Are you with our enemies? Their enemies were the people in Jericho. 
They were standing in the, the way of the promise of God. Are you with us? Are you with our enemies? Verse 14, I love this. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Oh, think about the power of those words. Who are you for? Are you for us? Are you for our enemies? He's like, no, no, I'm for God. I'm on God's side. Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. The risers become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God is building together in our diversity. He's knitting us together to become something that the world has never seen before. A holy temple built together to become a dwelling place for our God. So what does that mean for us? It means that we must attack the hostility the divisive areas in our lives. We don't let the enemy weaponize our preferences to build walls between us. We say, no, I'm not gonna play into the plan of hell to divide. I'm gonna press into the way of heaven to see us unite. I'm not going to play into the rhetoric of division in the echo chambers of thought that we now call social media. No, when I open my mouth, I'm going to speak only to bring healing. Because sin builds walls. Jesus builds bridges. I want to end by leaning into really practically how we can take a step towards walking in the unity that Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 22 is calling us to. When we're secure in God, we're not insecure about who we are. When we're secure in God, we're not insecure about who we are. The longer I live, the more division I see, the clearer it gets that oftentimes the loudest, most hostile voices are the most fearful, insecure voices. Insecurity will tell you that you don't belong. Insecurity tells you that nobody sees you. Insecurity tells you that you better take them out before they take you out. Insecurity tells you that you better watch out because as soon as people find out who you really are, they're going to leave you. Insecurity tells you, you know what, I better leave this group of people before this group of people leaves me. Insecurity tells you that, you know what, I, I better talk about what I have done because if I don't talk about what I've done, then no one will have seen what I've done. I hate insecurity. 
I, I hate it because I know it well. I know it really well. I, I, I know what it feels like to wonder if I'm okay. I know what it feels like to, to wonder uh, if, if people are for me or against me. And, and oftentimes in insecure moments, we get combative, right? And, and culture calls that passion, but really what that is is just fear coming out sideways. The spirit you received does not make you a slave so that you would live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Insecurity and real unity comes through knowing, I'm sorry, not being, no, insecurity doesn't come. Correction, rewind, delete the tweet. Security and real unity comes from knowing your identity. Security and real unity comes from knowing your, uh, our, your, gosh, I'm struggling with this sentence. It must be God on this sentence. I'm joking. I'm just having a hard time reading. Paul said it this way. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. So that tells me that if you feel like a foreigner or a stranger, you've allowed the devil to have a place at your table because we're no longer foreigners and strangers. That's not who we are. Unless we get that aggressive with these emotions that don't line up biblically, we're not gonna see the unity that we're called to see. We're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So before we can go say, you know what, we wanna be the picture of heaven on the earth, it first starts with us realizing that there is a God who knows you and sees you and is so in love with you that he did everything that Paul talked about from verse 1 to verse 10. He gave you the free gift of salvation so that you can walk in the power of his kingdom and experience the fullness of his salvation and his grace, not because of what you've done, in spite of what you have done. In that place of security of knowing that you have been adopted and brought into the family of God will allow you to be able to sit next to somebody who doesn't think what you think, that doesn't look like how you look and say, you know what, let's see God get bigger than these dividing walls that are between us and let's see heaven come and invade this place. Let's begin to see some division demolished, not because all of a sudden we, we change where we came from, but we're no longer fighting sideways. We're looking upwards. We're saying, Jesus, we want to run after the same thing. So do me a favor, stand to your feet. This insecurity thing's a big deal. It's a big deal because if the devil can get you to question who you are, he can rob you of your mission. So if you are feeling like you're a foreigner or a stranger, maybe you feel like you're a foreigner and a stranger here. Maybe you feel like a foreigner and a stranger in your own home. Maybe you feel like a foreigner and a stranger just in life. You just live with this constant voice that you're an outsider. I believe that God wants to come today and change the narrative of your mind to begin to hear that you're a adopted into his family, that there is no longer a 
separation that you can enter into who he's called you to be. And all this unity and all this promise of seeing the kingdom of heaven advance in this city. And listen, hear me. I believe that in a few years that the city of Austin is going to be knocking on our door saying, what are y'all doing? If they're not, then we're not doing it right, church. They should be begging us to get involved in what's happening in the city. Begging us, saying, please come. You want to know when revivals hit your city? That's when you know. When the church is being thrust into the solution circle. Not back here just throwing in the opinion circle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we want to be in the dirt of what's happening so that we can see the kingdom of heaven restore what the enemy has stolen. But none of that's going to happen if we're dealing with insecurity in here. We have to know who God has called us to be. You have to know what Jesus has done for you. And so as we worship, I want you to come and do business with God. If you're like, you know what? Insecurity has stolen away from me my ability to walk in unity. Not just on the big things, man. Insecurity robs your ability to walk in unity with your spouse. Insecurity robs your ability to walk in unity with the people in your life group. Insecurity robs us of unity everywhere it manifests itself. And so we've got to get secure before we start seeing some big things happen. It starts right in here. So as we sing, if you need to meet Jesus and say, God, come, I'm insecure. I'm dealing with this stuff. I need the, the reality of the adoption that's available to me through Christ Jesus. If you need that, I want you, as we sing, come forward. Don't leave here dealing with the division that's in you. Let security in heaven destroy the dividing walls of hostility that are dividing you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the glory of God that is in this place. Would you fill us with a supernatural understanding of who you are and who you've called us to be in Jesus' mighty name.